Good morning. Really nice to see you. It's, uh, well, it's almost perfect here. It's, it's cool. When was the last time it was cool? Uh, my uh, house clocked in this morning at 21 degrees. It hasn't been that cool in the morning for quite some time. I don't know if it will put discussions about air conditioning in abeyance or not, but I think a lot of people have certainly wondered about the advantages of it. So it's cool and we're singing again. Uh, I think a lot of us have wondered, what is that going to be like? Um, uh, Jabin reminded me this week that, you know, your throat is a muscle. And if you don't use it for a while, it kind of gets out of shape. So it didn't sound to me like you were out of shape today, but we'll just have to keep working on that and practicing. And then, of course, we can see each other's lovely faces again. Jabin, I can see your lovely face. Bob, I get to see your lovely face today, too. Uh, Almost tempted to say to some of you, could you please put a mask on because I don't recognize you. (laughs) But uh, you look much better this way. Boy, there's so much, I guess, that could be said, but uh, let's, let's talk to God together for a few moments. Please join me in praying. Oh, Father in heaven, Your word tells us, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And today we're glad that we can gather. We're glad that we can sing. May our worship bring you joy as we join our voices in praise with those around us and really with all creation because you are good and your truth endures to all generations. We thank you, Father, for the break in the hot weather. And we thank you for the rain. We pray that you would send us and other parts of the country that need it more moisture. Father, as summer settles in and more of us begin to travel, would you keep us safe on the road? Would you bless our times away? Renew us and strengthen us. We're grateful for our country, Canada. You have blessed us far beyond what we deserve. And as we move out of the pandemic, And as we continue to face numerous challenges, we will need your help. As the hymn declares, O God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come, our shelter from the stormy blast, and our eternal home. God, keep our land. Be with each one who makes Balmoral their home. Nurture us. Bless us. Bring us through illness and into wellness. Strengthen us in our weakness. Unify us. In closing, I'd like to borrow a prayer for these times from Eugene Peterson. Almighty God, keep my thinking straight while I'm developing sympathies. I want to do the right things, but I also want to do them for the right reasons. In the name of and always for the sake of Jesus Christ. Sandra McCracken is an American singer-songwriter who publishes a regular piece in Christianity Today. In the April issue, her article was titled, When God's Hands Are Invisible. She began by musing about hummingbirds. Speaking of hummingbirds, for the first time ever, we saw last week 
in our backyard a hummingbird. Diane proceeded the next day to go out and buy a hummingbird feeder. And now we're sitting on our deck each day, waiting for the return of that elusive hummingbird. And he ain't come back yet. <laughs> but back to Sandra's article in Christianity Today, she noted that the wings of a hummingbird move at 50 beats per second. Think about it. 50 beats per second. I don't even know if I can count to 10 in a second. 50 beats per second, that sounds pretty fast to me. And when the hummingbird is flying, it can appear completely motionless. We've all seen them. They look like they're not doing anything, but you realize they're actually doing quite a bit. They are still and active all at the same time. Such is the paradox of the hummingbird. Is this not similar to our experience of God? Does God not at times appear to be still and motionless, absent and even unseen, when in reality his plan to put things right is moving swiftly ahead? Well, our passage today highlights an incident that seems to express this paradox. One thing happened, yet at the same time, another thing happened. We're in the book of Judges. The title of our series is Hearts of Iron, Feet of Clay. Hope you brought your Bible. You'll need it just a bit today. We have a very short verse. In the book of Judges, God is raising up different and yet flawed characters to rescue his people. These are not the kind of people that you would necessarily want your children to emulate. There may be a few exceptions, but in the book of Judges, we have some pretty raw characters. And yet, amazingly, God uses them, and sometimes he uses them to rescue his own. The clue to understanding the book of Joshua is found at the back door. It's like somebody put the key at the back door of the book, and many of you are aware of this last verse, Joshua 21:25, which says, In those days Israel had no king. Everyone did as they saw fit. And if you grew up as I did with the King James uh, uh, translation, you would remember it as something like, and everyone did that which was right in their own eyes. How would you like to be part of a nation whose motto it seems to be, everyone did that which was right in their own eyes? Well, we actually do, so you don't have to imagine that too much. In the book of Judges, it's like Israel digs a hole and then falls into it, and then God lifts them out. Repeat, repeat, repeat. The story we'll consider today is about yet another one of Israel's deliverers. We're going to call our meditation Odd Deliverance, and it's based on Judges 3, verse 31. So let me read the passage to you from the NIV. One verse, here we go. After Ehud came Shamgar. Now, you should remember from last week that we learned about that southpaw, that lefty, Ehud. Remember, he's the guy who by stealth was able to kill one of the Moabite kings. So after Ehud came Shamgar, son of Anath, who struck down 600 Philistines with an ox goad. He too saved Israel. 
That's it. That's our text for today. It's pretty much all that the author tells us about Shamgar. The Shamgar incident is something of a riddle. Is it okay to have riddles in the Bible? Well, you might wonder, who's Shamgar? You might wonder, what does it mean to be a son of Anath? Why would a foreigner be involved in the deliverance of Israel? All good questions. Beyond his name, uh, we have his title. Yeah, so we ask the question, who is Shamgar? What does it mean to be son of Anath? How can one guy take out 600 opponents? So the first thing he tells is his name. And if you look in a dictionary of biblical names, one of the first things that you would discover is that Shamgar is not an Israelite name. It's a foreign name. And many scholars have concluded that he himself was likely a foreigner. Why would a foreigner be involved in the deliverance of Israel? The second thing we learn about Shamgar is his title, or whatever you want to call it, son of Anath. At the very least, it associates him with one Anath. Who's that? Well, normally when you see a formula like that, you would think that's his dad, that's his father. Is that in fact what it means? I'm indebted to my Old Testament prof, Dan Block, for some help in unraveling this. In his commentary on the book of Judges, he points out, first of all, that Anath was the name of a pagan goddess of war and the protector of the Egyptian pharaoh. Secondly, he points out that the expression son of Anath was sometimes applied to those devoted to the service of Anath. So it's possible that we're being told that Shamgar was somebody who for some reason was, a, was devoted in service to this Egyptian goddess. So, for example, soldiers in Egyptians' multinational army were so named. We'd call them mercenaries or hired guns. So, if we're connecting the dots correctly, Shamgar could have been a soldier in the Egyptian army fighting not for Israel's, but for their cause. Now, it just so happened that at the same time Israel was waging war against the Canaanites, including the Philistines, the Egyptians were also at war with the Philistines. So the Philistines are getting it from both sides. Shamgar is with the Egyptians, and they're also getting it from Israel. And then finally, we have his exploits. We've had his name. We've had who he is associated with, and now we have his exploits. Having highlighted Shamgar's name and title, our passage summarizes his exploits. He took out 600 Philistines using only an ox goad. You say, what's that? Well, an ox goad is a staff with a metal point, and it was excellent for uh, goading the um, uh, oxen on, uh, prodding them on. Well, the whole thing sounds rather miraculous, doesn't it? One man, 600 Philistines. And his victory, interestingly, is counted not as a win for the Egyptians, but as one for Israel. While fighting for Egypt, he also blessed Israel. It looks to me, actually my wife pointed this out to me, it looked to my wife, and I agree with her, that this is a case of the enemy of my enemy is my friend. You heard that expression before? The enemy of my enemy is my friend. The Philistines were Israel's enemies and Egypt's enemies. I know you've been wondering, when are we going to get back to the hummingbird? Well, this brings us back to the hummingbird. 
Remember that odd bird that can appear stationary while at the same time in motion? Well, similarly, Shamgar, son of Anath, while devoted to the Egyptian cause, also advances the Israeli cause. Both were true at the same time. Only I'm not so sure that he even knew it. And it wouldn't be the first time God co-opted the efforts of an enemy to advance his plan. The Bible is filled with such oddities. Remember the story of Joseph in Egypt, or rather Joseph in the book of Genesis? Although his brother sold him into slavery as a teenager, he rose up through the Egyptian royal family and became both the second in command of Egypt and the savior of, I guess, what you could call the nucleus of what would one day become the Jewish nation. For sure, his brothers intended to harm him, yet there was a higher intention at work. While his brothers were bent on destruction, God was aiming for redemption. Yea, paradox. Yea, God. And then, of course, there's the classic story of Jesus. I like the way it's expressed in Acts chapter 4, where you have a group of people ganging up on Jesus. Who'd want to gang up on Jesus? Well, Herod, Pilate, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel, we're told. Yet, there was a higher will at work. God co-opted their plan to cancel Jesus and used it to exalt him. Yea, paradox. Yea, God. Do you ever wonder what God is up to these days? As our difficult national stories unfold, COVID, residential schools, Islamophobia. We do well to wonder what the God who is awesome is up to. And knowing God as we do, he is likely up to something. He's working, co-opting, possibly even redeeming human evil to advance his good, which is the basis for the Christian conviction And we know that God works all things together for good, Romans 8, 28. Not that God's sovereignty excuses evil. The time is coming when all secrets will be unveiled and all sins will be judged. That's what the creed means when it says, from there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. Some of you grew up in traditions that recited the Apostles' Creed every Sunday. What a wonderful summary of Christian doctrine. From there, heaven, he will come to judge the living and the dead. There is no excuse for human sin and evil. Have you found in your own life that God's hand at times seems invisible? That he does in fact move in mysterious ways his wonders to perform We shouldn't be surprised when God uses what I like to think of as flawed and odd humans. The book of Judges is full of them. So is the church. Flawed and odd. Aren't you glad God uses the flawed and the odd? Well, it's time for communion, so while you're getting your stuff, let me get mine.
There's a hymn that we sometimes sing, and the chorus goes, Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know, fills my every longing, keeps me singing as I go. One of the reasons this is true is because of the supremacy of Jesus Christ. His name is greater than any name. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. And the salvation he accomplished is sufficient to heal all that is broken in us and in creation. And so this morning, let's remember him who bore our sins in his body on the cross. Let's take the bread the sign of his body given for us. Our Father, we thank you today for your inimitable power. How it was that you were able to take the evil and twisted designs of all those people that moved against the Lord Jesus some 2,000 years ago, spin it on its head, and turn it into something good and redemptive. We marvel at your power. And so we remember the Lord Jesus today. We thank you for his body given and also for the cup, the sign of his blood shed for us. We remember him today. Amen. Let's take the cup. You actually looked like you were enjoying the singing today. I was looking around. I was, I was sneaking some looks. Uh, Javin, it's really nice to see you without a shield. Yeah, that's... Uh, it's nice to see you without <laughs> a shield. <laughs> You're not looking through a windshield today. That's great. Well, uh, we've been leaving community questions with you for the past while, usually two or three. Something to take home, you and your group can talk about it, your spouse, your friends. And um, today we've been talking about Shamgar. What's the deal with Shamgar? He's a foreigner. He, it seems like he fights for Egypt. And thirdly, in God's hands, he becomes an instrument of blessing for the people of God. What do you make of this Shamgar guy? Well, we've got a few questions for you. First of all, There's a saying, God moves in mysterious ways his wonders to perform. How have you found this to be true in your life? I want you to think about that. This is a really important idea in the Bible. This is a big idea. So I want you to work that, work with that. Secondly, evaluate the statement, if the Lord can't find someone suitable among his own people, he'll use someone else. I mean, you go through the book of Judges, 
and pickings were pretty slim. And there were times when God sort of broke the rules, and he worked in rather unorthodox ways. Is this one of those occasions? Evaluate that. And then thirdly, pray for the grace to celebrate God's moving in our world through unexpected agents. Our benediction today comes from 2 Corinthians 13, verse 13. Please stand, and I want to pronounce this blessing over the people of God. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. Go find some fellowship um, in the parking lot if you want or in the foyer. Probably parking lots better, but suit yourself. And if you go outside, bring some sunglasses.